welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, please turn to the the Gospel of John in chapter 2. Hallelujah. So that was actually, uh, just just joined service. I was so blessed just looking at the worship team, all these young people. And if she's still here, she's probably downstairs working with young Hannah. I was just inspired to see her there playing the bass. I know it just comes to me, but you know, we do well to recognize what the Lord is doing with our young people. Amen. And God bless them all in Jesus' name. The tremendous young men and women we have at this church. Amen. Yeah, Absolutely. We are very blessed. The next day there was a wedding, a celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told them they have no wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instruction. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over him. A host always serves the best wine first. And, and he said, then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Amen. Amen. A lot of people don't realize that. You know, Jesus had mentioned in the scriptures in Matthew 13, 55, four brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, and at least two sisters because it uses a plural term there. I love this, I love this uh, scripture. I've preached it many times uh, in different contexts. And I suppose it's probably been in my heart since um, I did a wedding here. I preached a wedding here last week for Georgina and Fiso at a wedding, and it was part of the thought of the wedding. And it's been mulling in my heart ever since, so I felt from the Lord to share this with you. It's a phenomenal account. This is the first, uh, John says it's the first sign. It's a miracle, but it's more than a miracle. It's a sign that Jesus performs. So Jesus is only starting really into his ministry. And he's invited, you know, to this, uh, to this wedding. Now, there's a lot of discussion as to who the bride and groom were, some believe that the groom was uh, young John, Apostle John. I don't subscribe to that. John would have been probably even too young as a male to get married at that stage. But most commentators believe it was an extended friend of Mary, maybe an extended family member, you know, or a brother or sister of hers, or, so that there was a family link to the wedding. But nonetheless, a wedding, as in all cultures, is a very special event. 
You know, the Bible talks about marriage must be honored by all, and there's that sense of honoring and, of course, celebration and love, all part of the wedding day. And um, in the Jewish context, it lasted up to seven days sometimes, but mostly six days because the real strict, strict Jews wouldn't celebrate on the Shabbat. So, you know, six to seven days, depending on what side of how backslidden you were as a Jewish believer at the time. But it was a great event. The village normally was part of that. Um, you know, there was a lot of joy there. And, uh, you know, you, you as the, the, the wedding party, um, the bride and groom would provide for the, the guests. Now, you've heard me give you background before, but in, in Jewish context, this was, this was no small event. People would be very generous when it came to the wedding gifts. You know, they would extend sometimes beyond their means to help this young couple get a start in life. Uh, some cultures are fantastic that way, and some are very mangy, okay? I, I think one of the most um, generous ones I've seen is the Indian culture, because I had a few Indian friends who got married, and they were telling me how much they get, you know, people were giving gifts, and I'm thinking, my gosh, I don't earn that in a month, you know? And, uh, so, uh, but anyway, in Jewish context, it was, it was always about showing generosity to such a launch in life, and people would give, you know, they weren't rich people, they may, you know, give a sheep or a goat, they might give an expensive blanket, things that we think, ah, you go down to Guyanese and you get one for whatever, but back then, you remember, there's no Guyanese, there is no done stores, you know, these products are not mass produced, and they were very costly, so people would give quality gifts to help this young couple launch, obviously both families are very invested in the wedding day, a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, but, you know, when something like this happens, when the, one, when the wine ran out, there, there, there is a huge issue in different cultures that is viewed upon that you haven't provided for your guests. So, therefore, it says something about your family. It says something about your background. It says something about your character. You're cheap. You understand? <laughs> or you don't care about people. And in the Jewish culture, if, they, if that was determined by an invited guest, they could go to the elders of the city and, uh, and take a lawsuit against the bride and groom to get back what, it, what they gave as a gift. You know, and, uh, so, you know, when you understand the cultural backgrounds, it kind of alerts you that there's a bit more going on than, okay, they ran out of wine, fine, use Ribena, you know, whatever, or, you know, get something else, or, you know, uh, this, this had, the, it's had the ability to, to derail, you could say, the festivities for sure, Sow the seeds of discontent towards the family. Sow discontent between the family because, you know, when two families to come together at true marriage, every one of us that have negotiated marriage understand that, you know, there's a little bit of confidence building needed. Amen? Because dads who are protective of their daughters or might want to make sure that he marries some layabout and some cheap guy, you know, and, uh, and all of a sudden that could be confirmed he's a little bit cheap. He didn't provide enough for the wedding day. And you can imagine how we could set family against family. How it could give, upset your, 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 social, your standing in society. So the contagions were actually quite enormous for this young couple, you know. It gives a different life. The social and political fallout, you know, the scandal could arise from it. You always have the village gossip. Amen? Every culture has a village gossip. Uh, uh, the Irish villages, well, I'm telling you, we probably got more than a fair share of gossips. You've always got the biddy that wants to go around and never have something positive to say. Do you ever notice that there's something great going on? But, <laughs> but did you see that? Something wonderful happened, but you know, and always focusing on the negative. And maybe sometimes in our culture, we need to have a self-examination to say, I need to deal with that. That's a very caustic, very dangerous part of personality, you know, to be a divider of people. You know, the Bible says, rebuke a factitious man twice, and after that, have nothing to do with him. A factitious person is someone who goes in to try to bring division among people. 
always try to divide family members, one against another, against something else. The Bible says rebuke them twice, and after that, just, just stay away from them. Have nothing to do with them, because they're going to draw you into that thing. So, they, you know, it was, it was something that had potentially enormous consequences. It's worse than forgetting the ring. Okay, <laughs> I've been at weddings where rings have been forgotten, marriage certificates were forgotten. Uh, I've been at weddings where you know the, the the ring fell off the book and rolled along the ground during the ceremony, and we're scrambling to find it. Indignant moments, but uh, this is worse for them. But the amazing thing about this is that they had invited Christ. Now, you can never underestimate that type of invitation. Amen. When you bring Christ in, everything is possible. And, and even if you bring him in, not realizing the full extent of the possibilities, when he's invited, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would open the door, I will come in. Amen. I will. And, and it says something of, of, of the Lord. You know, the couple may not have realized the full extent or the immeasurable possibilities that could have flown from such an invitation. And let me tell you, Christian... We are not exempt from trial or temptation, but what a wonderful hope we possess as Christians because we've invited Christ into our life. Amen. You know, this morning you may have your own traumas going on. I'm absolutely sure there's not one person in this house doesn't have problems that are significant. From financial to health to family issues, you know, and, and, you know character issues that you're fighting internally with about yourself. Things about yourself that you don't want other people to know because you're trying to get them fixed and try to work in them and they're, 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 they're bearing down upon you. You know, this is phenomenal to see. When we look around ourselves, we, we can see ourselves in the scripture. If you want to take the lens and, and paint yourself into the picture, it's a great thing to do. Because the universality of mankind is the same. It doesn't matter if you're from Ukraine. It doesn't matter if you're from Africa. The needs and failures of people are universal. There is no better cultures, friends. Can, you, can I hear amen? amen? There is no better people groups. Can I hear a double amen? amen? You know, nobody's better than you and nobody's worse than you. You're all the same. Amen. And God sees us as the same. It's when our pride lifts us up because I'm Irish. What does that mean? I'm African. What does that mean? I'm English. What does that mean? So what? You're human. And with that, everything flows true. This is often the greatest failure of believers. They don't realize... They fail to see the incredible possibilities that are when Christ is invited in. Like the woman at the well. Remember that story, that Samaritan woman, that serial adulterer? You know, that marriage-killing woman that she's outcasted from her society. She's a Samaritan, which is a double blow against her in the eyes of a Jew. And she's at a well at noon to try to draw water, and she meets Jesus there. And Jesus, he asks her for a drink. And she said, how come you, would you would ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? And he said, sister, if you knew who it was was asking, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Oh, hallelujah. Do you know who's living in you this morning, friends? Do you know who you have invited? Sometimes we need a revelation from God to see the immeasurable possibilities of bringing Christ into your life. Amen. Opening the door of your heart, surrendering leadership and ownership of everything, and say, Lord, I've made a hash of it until now, but you can turn what is dead and make it alive again. You can restore the smile, you can restore the confidence, you can restore the health, you can restore the wealth, you can restore my standing. Hallelujah. I've destroyed my life with my foolishness. Most of us have. 
within our circles. You know, none of us here are glowing. The Apostle Paul said of his time, and, and I believe, again, universal. What was the same then is the same now. The, Ecclesiastes tells us that. The wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, he said, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no new. You're not going through anything new this morning. I'm not trying to belittle what you're going through, but I want to tell you, others are going through the same thing. It's universal. You're not the only one struggling with your struggle. You're not the only one that is messed up. You're not the only one that has been on the, on the end of somebody else's mess up. It's universal. Amen. You've not just gone on and be a mess up to other people. It's universal. We're all in the same pit. But thanks be to God. Some of us had the good sense to invite him in. Hallelujah. Amen. You would have asked him, oh, how the party can come to an abrupt end, friends. Oh, how the sweet can turn so bitter. The Isaiah says that the, the trees wither, the flowers fade. And they do. You know, I was complimenting, I won't say, I was complimenting a dear sister this morning who was looking absolutely fantastic. And I think she's after finding the fountain of youth. But I do think that too will be, in time, will change, friends. Because even the beauty, the natural beauty, the strength of your, your fertile mind, the strength of your personality, the sense that I'm invincible, will all in time be tested by nature and time and begin to fall short. That's why the Bible says the young men shall utterly faint. It didn't say old men, because we all know that old men will certainly faint. It says young men will certainly faint, but those who wait upon the Lord, amen, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's something here the scriptures try to tell us and refocus and reorientate us again. And every context of the Bible will always do the same. You know, there's nothing new a preacher can say. All he can do is take old truths and maybe in some way set, inspire you to, to raise your eyes again to God. Amen. That's what a preacher's job is, is to, try to, is to try to get you to focus beyond what you're going through and look to someone that can truly save you and help you. And this morning, friends, as we're in the presence of God, we worship, we've heard of a family, we saw God's deliverance upon them, and in the midst of their sadness, I know my God hasn't abandoned uh, our friends, friends. He hasn't abandoned them. Constantine and his family are not abandoned. They may feel abandoned, they may feel broke, they may feel all these things, but I want to tell you, our God is faithful. I said our God is faithful. And God is, to, God is not a man that he should lie to you. He doesn't bring you this far in life to turn his back on you. That's not the God of the Bible. The abundance can be squandered so fast that tears of festivity become tears of despair. It is a vulnerable life. How sad when we see what should have been a happy occasion turn suddenly dour. There's nothing worse. There's nothing probably worse in our social to see a bride under pressure on our wedding day. Something go wrong. And I'm not talking about taking some selfie and falling into the water. They can nearly redeem that. But something going wrong. To, to see, and as we all have that sense in our heart. You know, every bride is truly beautiful. I, I've never seen an ugly bride. And they come in all different shapes and sizes. But there's something conferred upon them particularly on that day. And everybody in the room just wants her to be happy. And wants her, and you don't even want to see a frown upon her face. Because you, know, you, know, you know, there's going to be babies come, they'll put plenty of frowns on her face. There's going to be economic problems, there's going to be plenty of frowns on her face. Today, we want this girl to enjoy it, amen, and to esteem her. And that's really universal as well. You can imagine when Mary, when Mary the mother of Jesus, and I always want to qualify that, Mary was the mother of the physical form of Jesus. She's not the mother of God. 
Even though Jesus is God, the pre-incarnate Jesus, he pre-existed. She was the mother of the physical form of Jesus. She was blessed above all women. Gabriel said that, blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And she said, let it be done, behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. My soul does magnify the Lord, she says, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. As a Jewish girl, she rejoiced in that her Savior, the one that she bore in her womb, was going to come and even purge her sin. And she rejoiced in that day. And what a great woman that she knew, even though her son is 30 years old now. It's, most commentators believe that her, her husband, Joseph, is dead. And her sons are looking after her. And they're invited to this wedding. But Mary sees something in Jesus. And she knows there's something very, very special. She, the Bible says she, 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 she stored up all these things in her heart. She pondered these things in her heart. Seeing Christ from the age of 12. When, he went up to, when they went up to Jerusalem. And they left him behind. And a whole day later, they discovered he's behind at the caravan. They have to go back to Jerusalem. And he's in the temple at 12 years of age. And he's debating the scriptures with the scribes and the Pharisees at 12. A whippersnapper. And the Bible says they're astonished at his understanding of Scripture. And this is Mary pondered these things in her heart. So she sees, as, as he's, she doesn't yet fully understand, neither did the disciples, the extent of who Jesus was. And actually, John's gospel is written from the perspective of actually shedding more light that Jesus is not just a holy man. Jesus is not just a rabbi because at this stage in the ministry, he's been, he's been viewed as a, a holy man slash rabbi who's got a bunch of disciples with him. And, and so the family greet him that way. It says in history that James, the half-brother of Jesus, only truly believed that Jesus was God when Jesus rose from the dead. Up to that time, he believed he was special because a Jewish mentality would never, ever accept that God would dwell in a human man. That there would be a God-man and a human man all, all together in that one being. That was a construction that had never happened. He is the exception to the rule. That's why the, 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 the incarnation of Christ the divine imputation of life in the womb of Mary to give us the God-man. And so she sees the dilemma. She's sensitive. That's why a lot of people think that she was, it was, she was close to the family that were having the wedding. And she says, simply comes to Jesus and said, they've run out of wine. Now he understands that. And he's not being disparaging to his mother. Every contextual writer is saying, because sometimes it says, woman, what does this to do with me? That was actually a normal term between mums and sons back then. But basically, Jesus is saying, it's not my problem. and My hour has not come. Because Jesus did nothing other than the leading of the Holy Spirit. That was his deal, to live in perfect obedience. But nonetheless, Mary says this to the servants. She says, well, whatever he says to you, do it. Amen. What instructions, if she could speak to us today, what she has through the scriptures, the eternal scriptures. Whatever he says to you, Christian, you must do it. You know, it's not just I love God, but Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Amen? Amen. Oh, I love God, but I don't like coming to church. Well, neglect not the assembly of yourselves. That's his word. Amen? As some are in the habit of doing, be a cheerful giver. Be concerned for the lost, feed the poor, clothe the naked, visit those in prison. Preach the gospel in season and out of season. Well, that's what Christ asked us to do. Amen. And be. So love, friends, is not some sort of, you know, armchair sort of thriller. You know, so you can just have an opinion about how it should be. Love is full contact. Amen. Hallelujah. Love endures all things. Amen. Hopes all things. Believes all things. 
Love is action as much as receiving is also action. You can't just talk about love, friends. I remember listening to Julian Lennon. That's John Lennon's son. And John Lennon was famous, you know, with the sort of make love, not war. Him and Yoko Ono in New York sitting in that bed like two idiots, you know, talk, pontificating the world's problems, thinking that they can end world hatred by speaking these profound words about love, you know, and all he wrote about love and imagine and all these things. And Julian Lennon, in his own testimony, he's not a Christian, he's been interviewed, he said, my dad could talk about love. All he talked about was love, but he could never show it. And amazing, isn't it? His own son looks this spot off him. He could never show it. They wrote, write songs, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it mean? Every rock star talks about his undying love to his loved one, and he's got three or four girls on the go. He's left this one on the other. It's, it's, it, friends, I want to tell you, love is far more reaching than some sort of emotional snowball throwing. Do you understand? That's the problem. And so she says to him, and her, her words, Mary's words, the wisdom in her words, whatever he says do. Of course, Jesus, led by the Spirit, he is. He knows it's the time now. He now knows it's the time to act. And he, he comes to the servants and he says, take those vessels. There was, I think, six vessels holding roughly 30 gallons each that would hold 30 gallons of water each. So they're large vessels. And they were normally used for the purification of Jews. Now, the Jews have, you know, it's a highly regulated religion. You know, 10 commandments, but 613 bylaws. It's nearly worse than rugby. And uh, uh, you know, they, had, they had all these bylaws with them, and so they were highly compliant on the, the smallest detail of Judaism and to be circumspect, like getting rid of anything yeast coming up to pass, all, all these crazy um, rituals that they endured. So they had these water cisterns you could made, made out of clay, and it was used for the for ceremonially washing before people engaged and had food. So it was a religious, it was there for religious purposes. It was ceremonial washing. And Jesus looks at those earthen vessels and he says, now I want you, the Bible says they were empty. I want to tell you all religion is empty. I'll tell you, while you're in the pickle, you can lift your rosary bead all you want, you can pray to your icon all you want, but I want to tell you religion is empty. It is long since past there, friends. That is, you know, that has long since expired. In the Jewish religion, the Bible says its glory was fading. Like, Mount, like Moses faced on Mount Sinai when he came out with the tablets of the law, his face shone and he had to put something over it so that the people could look in his countenance. But the law and that revelation was fading fast. And so here we have these ceremonial things. And you know, when the Apostle John says that this event is a sign as much as a miracle, you don't just, don't just look at the miraculous. I mean, the superfluous reader of the scripture. I mean, I've said it before, there's not a drunk in Ireland that doesn't know this story. Because all they debate about was an alcoholic or an alcoholic wine, so they can, you know, do what they want to do. But it's far, it's far deeper than that. To the man or woman that wants to drill down and understand the things of God, to the man or woman that wants to take the time to really hear for their life what God is doing. See, you can merrily keep on going, believing the lie all you want, but that's going to run out. You can say, oh, my mom said, I believe what my parents did, and they believed what their parents did, and they believed what their parents did. You go back four generations, they couldn't read or write. Many of them. Sometimes it's ignorances that were handed on, but Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. When I came to Christ, friends, I had so much baggage. Grew up in a large family. 
mainline religion, ritual all the way through, Irish to the core, Catholic to the core. But when I was confronted with the gospel, I had so much baggage because it was all, well, what would, my, what would our in-laws think? What would our cousins think? What would society think? Is it the betrayal of everything? But I want to tell you, when you ask Jesus in, the entrance of his word brings light. Hallelujah. It brings liberty. It gives you a confidence in the God that you come to every week in prayer. It gives you that sense that God is for me. Amen. If God is for me, who can be against me? Sometimes we just need to awaken that again, amen? Sometimes we need to take a step back from the trauma, a step back from the issues, and say, God, who was invited in, into my life, this man talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit since 97, I think it was. I want to tell you, friends, I was back in 1976. God stepped in and everything changed, amen? amen? Sometimes I forget it. Sometimes I forget how powerful that event was in my life. And now she says, do what he says. You know, wine is a caricature in the scripture for love. It's also a caricature for joy and also the Holy Spirit. The apostle says, be not drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Many marriages, even some here, and many individuals, and maybe some here this morning, after years of trying to quench your thirst by drinking from the world's provisions, you're finally playing your last card, and even that is failing you miserably. It's here that the sign was beginning to come into focus. John has tried to tell you something. The Bible says that we have the treasure in the earthen vessel. That's what he said. You are the earthen vessel. Corinthians tells us that we are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the earthen vessel made out of clay. You know, and that's what we're going to go back to one day. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust, friends. We'll go back to the earth. It'll reclaim the natural elements. You're just made out of clay. The Bible has that great analogy. Jeremiah 29, 22, in the house of the potter. And, uh, you know, you're a clay on the wheel. And, you know, I want, I want you to see that there's so many aspects of the story that are relevant to us in, its, in, in the more eternal truths, friends. And you can see vessels that are empty. Empty vessels. No answer. And oftentimes we go to weddings, we go into traumas, and we face our own issues, and we're as empty as those religious vessels. Nothing in us. We've dried up. All we are is some sort of testament to what was or what used to be. But when the traumas of life or the difficulties come, there's no answers there. They're empty. But I want to tell you something, friends. Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He can fill the empty vessel. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, friends, he can refill the vessel and he can fill it for the first time and he promises to fill and he says, be ye filled with the Spirit. I want to say whatever trauma you're in, whatever difficulty you're in, and I will not belittle it, but you're not alone. I want to tell you, Christ was invited in and if you didn't invite him in, I encourage you right now, right now the second, say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me, be my Lord, be my Savior. I invite you in and I want to be married to you. Amen. That union, Christ and his church, that mystery the Bible talks about, I want to be part of that invisible body. Our Ukrainian friends and other people from around the world, when they come here, they may not speak the language, but they're part of a body. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a body, friends. That is the most peculiar thing. 
A unity that excels beyond natural bloodline. A unity that goes beyond natural class of society or ethnicity. Amen. I have more in common with natural strangers that love God than some of my extended family who don't know Him. And when you come into that water, provision. And so Christ says to you this morning, just as those vessels had no answer to help this problem out, I will fill the vessel again. God wants to fill you. I tell you, God wants to fill you. And it comes back to that question. Jesus said, you have not because you asked not. And he told that story, which one of you fathers, if your sons came and asked you for a piece of bread, would give him a rock or ask him for a... What was the second one? A fish would give him a serpent. How much more, he says, would God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Do whatever he asks you, Christian. Do whatever he asks you. You know, there's sacrifice, there's pain in the offering. The Holy Spirit might be guiding you. There's people you're hanging out with you don't need to be hanging out with. There's things you're watching you shouldn't be watching. This lifestyle and behavior that you've led into your life and has led to dryness and emptiness and you are inept. You have no ability to meet the need around you. In actual fact, you're overwhelmed by the problems. And sometimes when you, what does he ask? You need to start reading the word again, Christian. You need to know. You show me, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of him. Did you justly love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? But you're never going to know that until you read it. Amen. You know, Jesus said you are in error because you don't know the word of God or the power therein. I'm going to tell you the greatest issue of our society is an ignorance of the things of God. We're teaching kids preposterous untruths in our, in our schools. We're missing the greatest truth of all. Son of man came not into this world to condemn this world, but that the world through him would be saved. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, you need salvation. I need salvation. You need refilling, and I need refilling. You need a touch of God, and I need a touch of God, because we are not to supply for this world. He is. Amen. We run an empty, and maybe you've been running on empty. And all you do, an empty Christian just looks like a religious person. All talk, but no demonstration. An opinion. The world doesn't need another religious person, and it doesn't need another opinion. It needs a man or a woman that's full of God. It needs a man or a woman that understands the potential when Christ came in as Lord. And you know what? That river of his love, that supply of his power has been flowing to you. But somewhere along the line, you have put a block there. It, he never withdrew the supply. Isn't that amazing? He never withdraws the supply. It's not who he is. That's a misrepresentation of him. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. But you would not come. There's things that you do and I do, the friends that are stopping the flow of that revelation into our life. So we need to read the book again. What does he say? What does he want us to do? Have the integrity to put those steps in line as the Holy Spirit puts in place. And you're going to find that some of those arteries and some of those areas that are filling that heart become unblocked. You're going to find that there's going to be a flow of grace and power and confidence. Fill me again, O oh God. Jesus has filled those pots and they brought that wine to the master ceremonies and he drank it. He said, this is incredible. It's actually debatable whether that was alcoholic or not. My guess is that it wasn't because actually in the custom, the, wine, the, the most expensive wine in the culture 
was the, was the pure squeeze of the grape. It was called sweet wine. There was no alcohol in it. At that time, alcohol became part of it because it even naturally would go naturally to about 4%, which is more like a vinegar. The technology to make wine like they have today didn't happen until the 5th century through the Arabs. So my guess is that, like in every culture, they couldn't just throw it out when it tasted like vinegar. They just got to use the taste of vinegar. <laughs> they got used to it. They used it. They watered it down with water. And this fresh, crisp, beautiful wine. I want to tell you, friends, the wine of the Spirit will not make you drunk. The wine of the Spirit will not make you irresponsible. The wine of the Spirit will not cause you to love anything other than Christ. Or anything that He loves. Amen. It's not whether it's alcoholic wine or not, friends. This is a sign to the Christian that is running empty. Your marriage to Christ might, might have been flowing great, but somehow the wine stopped. As I said, maybe neglect or disobedience has caused the river of God to flow to you, but not through you. Whatever the issue is, whatever the cause is, whatever the thirst is in your life, the possibilities are enormous this morning because Christ is here. Hallelujah. I said Christ is here. Yes. I'm telling you, friends, what other hope could you give to any man or woman in this planet? Put your faith in Joe Biden or Tishak Michal Martin. I know Michal Martin is a good man. I'm sure Joe Biden has his virtues as well. Really? United Nations? The social worker? The system? Where is your answer? Who's going to dig you out of getting old and ready to face eternal life and stand before God after a life of folly and neglect and sin? I want to tell you Jesus is here. He's here to remove the embarrassment of a foolish life. He's here to cleanse you from every sin and uphold you by his grace. He's here and ready to put a new robe upon you and put a ring on your finger and say, come on in, son. This son that was dead is now alive. This daughter that was dead is now alive. I want to tell you, friend, that's who he is. Whatever the issue, friends, the possibilities are enormous. More than you could even ask or think. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Maybe the wine has run out in your life, in your marriage. Maybe the love has stopped. Maybe you're at each other's throats. I want to tell you, he can refill the the jars of your life. Hallelujah. He can refill your life again. You have no answers, no comfort, no rational hope. There is someone, and his name is Jesus. And he stands at the door and he knocks. You may have had a good start in life. Sorry, you may not have had a good start in life, but you can finish well. Hallelujah. You might have hit a bump in the road like this young couple in their life. Something that could have derailed them and embarrassed them in their society and even damaged their marriage. Maybe that's you in another context. But I want to tell you, Christ is here. The only hope, the only hope for your family constant time is Christ. You know it and I know it. You can finish well. Jesus came not into the world to condemn it. That's what he said. But that the world through him might be saved. If you haven't invited him in, listen to me. Those online, those watching later maybe. But particularly to you this morning that are sitting on a fence, I put it to you, where is your salvation coming from? From yourself, then you're going to utterly faint. From somewhere else, no, it's not. Nobody loves you that much to hang around with you all the time and dot the eyes of your emotional needs and cross your T's. They're not going to do it. Some medication out of Pfizer or or, or Smithline Beecham is going to help you? No, no, no. A new tablet? A new program? Ah, maybe a new relationship. How many do you need to go through before you know that a man or a woman is not the answer to your needs? How much money do you need to earn? 
Isaiah talks about earning money and putting it in bags with holes. It's like, it talks about digging vineyards but never drinking a sweet wine, making a house, building a house but never being able to sleep in it. Oh, I want to tell you, friends, God is here today. If you haven't invited him in, invite him into your life. He will meet you right now, right at the very point of your honesty. Right at the very point of your sincerity. It's you and him, private communication, in your heart, speaking. Say, oh, Jesus, I'm inviting you in. They had no idea, but I understand if I bring you in, everything can change. He can save your marriage. He can save your health. He can save your name. Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus not just demonstrated the miraculous to his disciples, because that was the intended sign to show his disciples, to show the religious world that were mapping his ministry. At that stage, in the early stage of Jesus' ministry, he was on the Pharisees and Sadducees' radar, but not really a threat. He was just a young rabbi as he was looked upon with a bunch of 12 ragtag young guys that followed him and he was mentoring. And so they're watching his religious teaching. All eyes are on him. And there he does the supernatural. And it says his disciples believed upon him. But I want to tell you, friends, the scriptures are multiversed. Amen. I learned that recently. Multiverse, friends. Multi-universes. Not only does he speak to his disciples about his divinity and his call and his claims, and they believed upon him. He also showed the ineptness of the old religion had no answers. And he also gives hope to you and I, stuck in the middle not knowing how to get through, that he can fill the vessel again. I say to God be the glory, great things he has done. I was going to, when Patrick said, he wanted to sing leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting. I nearly jumped up, I was going to get Andy. He said, push Ben off there, let's do leaning together. Because I want to tell you friends, there's no one else to lean on. There is no other fountain. There is no other rock besides our God. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And friends, today, Christian, have you, if you have fallen dull to the reality of who, that li- who it is that lives in you, and who is it is that has bought you with his precious blood, ask the Holy Spirit to take that veil from your eyes and to build your confidence and begin to trust him. And do what he says. Amen. Do what he says. Amen. I said, do what he says. If you love me, Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Do you love me more than work? Do you love me more than money? Do you love me more than these 152 fish? Do you love me more than supernatural miracles? If you love him, start to feed this world. Start to feed him natural food and spiritual food. Amen. Start to be the hands feet of Christ because this is what God requires of you and I. We are the location of Christ in this earth. When someone asks, where is Jesus? You said, you're looking at him. Your answer should be swift. He's living in here. And he's brought me here to share with you a message. Amen. You know, I'm not saying you're Jesus. You know what I'm saying. Does any man think I'm creating some sort of inorthodox? But he lives in you. The Apostle Paul says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, I, I need you to stand with us this morning as we, as we begin to close our service out. There may be one man, one woman here this morning that you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to do it right now. 
It's very simple. Does everyone just begin to stand? You bow your head, close your eyes, don't look at another soul. And I won't embarrass you and I won't call you up here. This has to be a transaction between you and God this morning. You have to surrender your life to Christ. You have to invite him into your life. You have to apologize and repent of your sin. And he says, I will expunge all your sin. I will purge you. I will cleanse you. I will fill you. And then after that, you need to, after you pray that prayer, in your own words, you need to say, thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. What an incredible guest to have living with me. Say, thank you, Jesus. He's heard you. If you do that, you are. You are part of the body of Christ. No matter what kind of skin, no matter where you live, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The earthen vessel has just got an infusion of the wine of the Spirit. And now, out of you, God can feed other people. God can bless other people. God can touch other people. Out of your earthen vessel this morning. And maybe, Christian, you've been running on empty for a while because disobedience and not hearing the voice of the Spirit, deliberately locking the Spirit out because you're just kind of getting on with life and you, you've just gone too busy for God. But maybe you're at a place where you say, you know what, I'm, I'm running too much and empty. Do what he says. Get back into church. Get back into fellowship. Get back into Christian service, friends. Get back into reading your Bible. And import, most importantly, get back into prayer. And let that river flow through you. Amen. And let God deliver you out of all your troubles. The Bible says the Lord delivers the righteous out of all of them, every one of them. And let him do it today and have the confidence when you leave court church that God has answered my prayer. I don't see anything change in the natural. That's like Elijah just saw a cloud the size of a man's fist. I want to tell you this morning, there's a cloud of good over your head that God is going to rain his love down upon you and his blessings upon you as you begin to lift your eyes to him again. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.